Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Jaguar Report Podcast. I'm your host, John Shipley, joined by my co-host, Gus Love. Gus, it's Friday. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, John. Uh, looking forward to the weekend, I guess, but every day kind of feels like a weekend with online classes. Um, <laughs> it's been, it's nice to kind of have the full coaching staff officially official and not have to put report in front of everyone's names because yeah. it feels like we've been kind of waiting around for um, that presser for a while. So it was it, nice to see it ha- actually happen. For the people that have uh, been reading Jaguar Report, normally I am all for, you know, like until things are official, official, you know, not talking about them kind of in that breath. But it got to the point with this coaching staff thing where if you read the articles the last two weeks, I just, I, I, I stopped caring, man. I, <laughs> I, I, I had an interview with uh, Austin Lane about Joe Cole, and I literally was like, New Jaguars defense coordinator Joe Collin. I was like, I, 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 I'll give you guys a few weeks, but I'm tired of putting reported and everything. I, I got to save that space. Yeah, I definitely got to that point for sure. I wrote yeah. about the coordinators what feels like over a month ago. Yeah, no, you did, you did two, uh, two good pieces. Uh, you guys go ahead and look them up. It's uh, what does Darren Bevel and what will Joe Collin uh, bring to the Jaguars defenses? Uh, Gus kind of looked at both of their paths, and uh, I mean, we've, we've, Gus, we've kind of already, like we, like we said, this has kind of been a month in the making. We've already broken down uh, Colin and uh, you know Bevel in this uh, space. We're gonna go through it all again, but just, I mean, uh, just right away. Meyer introduced him as his coordinators officially for the first time yesterday. Uh, it took, it was literally 28 days since the day he was announced as the Jaguars coach. And uh, I remember me and you said a couple of weeks ago, you know, we haven't recorded in a few weeks because we said, okay, we're just going to record the next time uh, when they announce the hires because then we'll have something to talk about. And that dragged on much longer than I think either one of us predicted it would. Yeah, it is what it is, but it's nice. One of the reasons that the coaching staff was so interesting to see put together is because of like the schemes that the Jaguars are going to run because everyone seems to be obsessed with the idea of Jaguars moving from their 4-3 cover 3 Seattle defense into like a more versatile 3-4 and then on the offensive side it would be interesting to see how much of the offense is Darren Bevels versus like Urban Meyer's spread and so um Basically, Colin said yesterday that's going to be multiple fronts and or multiple looks, and he kept using multiple multiple times. Um, but it definitely seems like a it'll be nice to have at that at least some three four usage versus just kind of the same old same old that Todd Wash ran, where it's just he kind of mixed up between cover one and cover three. But it, he had I believe the most uh, box defenders over expectation according to five thirty eight. And uh, so it was definitely a one high stop the one defense. And so hopefully it'll be a little more versatile next year. And they stuck, and they stunk against the run last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what are you going to do? And then on the other yeah. side, uh, Meyer said that he's not going to be calling plays, but he says he has um, a vision of the offense, whatever that means. And so we won't really know what that looks like for a while, but it'll be interesting to see how much of it is really like the last thing that we saw from him at Ohio State versus maybe using some more of Bevel's insights. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And I'm sure. I mean, 
um, about especially Urban, has kind of done a good job throughout their careers of being adaptable, which is one of the best traits that a coach can have, really. And so I think that the the offense of the Jaguars eventually run will not really look like anything that's been in the past. It's kind of going to be a mixture of different things to go with the strengths and weaknesses of the number one overall pick. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you, you mentioned that uh, Mari didn't elaborate on what his vision for the Jaguars offense is. And that's because he didn't get asked about that. And if you're wondering why he didn't get asked a question like that, it's because uh, five of the 12 questions he got asked uh, on Thursday revolved around his hiring of the team's new director of what was the sports performance, uh, Chris Doyle. Uh, Doyle is a former strength and conditioning coach at Iowa, Iowa University for, I believe it was 21 years, uh, either 20 or 21 years. Uh, Iowa, obviously, you know, uh, I believe at one point he was the highest paid strength and conditioning coach in the nation. Uh, Iowa obviously had a great program in that right. But uh, he and Iowa reached a separation agreement, uh, you know, last summer amid a lot of controversy where there were a lot of former Iowa players, uh, you know, making allegations saying, you know, how he either mistreated them or had made, you know, racial remarks at times. And uh, he denied these allegations, which, you know, like we said, again, are allegations, but ended up in him and Iowa, you know, parting ways. And that's why he was available for Meyer to hire. And if you don't think it's a big deal, well, like I said, five of, the 12 questions about uh, Tamari yesterday were about this one hire. And I mean, if you just went to social media or ESPN or anything like that, most of the talk about Myers announced staff, which again, you know, people are waiting on this for a month. I mean, this was a day a lot of people were excited for. And then they kind of, you know, snuck, snuck that hire kind of in. And if, you know, you look at all the reactions from social media to, you know, really what we see, you know, on TV and the radio and everything like that, uh, most of the focus has been on that one hire, Doyle. So to say it's not a big deal, it's clearly a big deal uh, to a lot of people, and it took a lot of the attention on Thursday. Yeah. Well, John, the NFL's put end racism at the back of their helmets, so that helps, right? <laughs> but no, I think one of the big things is that uh, the position that or his role, because if he was a position coach, not that it wouldn't make it less of a story, but I think the being like the sports performance and strength and conditioning coach, you kind of have a big say in the culture. And obviously culture is kind of a big part of why Urban Meyer was hired and like the direction the franchise is going to go in the future. And so for him to have kind of a impact on that culture is, I guess, a little concerning. But uh, I mean, Urban said that his number one responsibility is to enhance the player's value. And so it seems like that's, he's trying to get as best of on-field performance as possible, but it's definitely worth asking the question of whether this hire was a necessary one. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm one of my biggest questions is, of course, how much contact he's even, you know, going to have uh, with the players because, you know, it's not like he's the strength and conditioning coach. They have several other coaches for that, but, you know, he's kind of the director of that kind of focus of the team. But, you know, like you said, it just – and again, you know, all, all of these allegations, but it's just from a PR standpoint and from optics, it's just the, the Jaguars, they're not a team that's, you know, far removed from the NFL PA warning free agents not to sign there because of Tom Coughlin mistreating them, you know. I mean, the, the Jaguars, they had an entire stench in their locker room and in the halls of their building because of Tom Coughlin's, you know, kind of really how he ruled with an iron fist. And there was definite, you know, mistreatment at times. And the Jaguars, you know, they just, I feel like just recently kind of, you know, shed that label and, you know, not long ago uh, they had several players kind of create their own mutiny and force their own way out, out of Jacksonville. So the, the, the Jaguars making this kind of hire, which, you know, would likely wait, raise eyebrows for, you know, players across the league because uh, those former Iowa players, you know, it, it was a couple of big name players, you know, James Daniel, uh, with the Chicago Bears, uh, Jaleel Johnson with the Minnesota Vikings. You know, it was current NFL players. It wasn't anybody that's uh, retired or anything like that. So it definitely, it, it it's understandable why it caught as much as the attention uh, as it did on Thursday. I mean, we even saw Chris Conley on Twitter kind of react to it. And I know a lot of people said, well, Conley is not going to be on the team next year. Why does his opinion matter? Uh, Conley was a team captain last year, one of the most respected guys in that building. So if he says something, it's worth listening to. 100%. I think he was the only wide receiver that wasn't on his rookie contract. And so he had def- certainly had a veteran presence, not just in the receiver room, but 
in the entire locker room as a whole. So it's certainly worth paying attention to. And yeah, I didn't really expect Urban's first kind of PR blooper, whatever you'd want to call it, to come <laughs> this early after we were that trying to kind of downplay it falling. <laughs> yeah, after we were trying to kind of downplay it falling his higher. But yeah, it'll be I, certainly I mean, a story it's, it's, to keep watching. It's what you get when you hire, you know, Urban Meyer. And I feel like the, the Jaguars are probably well aware of that. You know, I mean, you hire him because you're trying to win at all costs. And sometimes, you know, to do that, he makes moves that, you know, make people uncomfortable. And this uh, seems to be one of them. Yeah, for sure. But he did say he was it was vetted by Baki and Shad Khan as well. So I'm sure they all had a discussion. But it definitely <laughs> it, seems like kind of the sour worm in a, in a, in a coaching staff that's super encouraging overall. Uh, I was going to say, it seems like a really solid staff, but all, basically all the attention went to this. And I think part of the reason why the reaction was the way it was be, was because of how Meyer uh, answered the questions. Uh, he he knew he had to know, you know, he was going to get questions on it. But, you know, the way he had answered it was, you know, he vetted it thoroughly. You know, a bulky and shod vetted it. I uh, he said he's known him for 20 years. But w- what exactly does vetted it thoroughly mean? You know, he never expounded on that. Does that mean you talk to anybody at Iowa or any former players or anything like that? That That's the question. And that question I felt like was never really answered. Yeah. And another thing, as you said, was that it kind of caught people off guard because they kind of slipped it in and like the coaching announcements it was never reported yeah like how how someone like bevel was reported a couple weeks ago yeah for sure for sure you can you can tell that there's some hires the jaguars can you know live with getting leaked out and then there's some that you know they'd love to just (laughs) tweet out in the middle of that long thread that was yeah (laughs) that was one of the most ratio tweets i've seen since uh until mike renner's uh this afternoon about yeah records are meant to be broken yeah i don't recommend either one (laughs) but i i mean that's that's obviously the elephant in the room when it comes to you know the coaching uh the really the coaching staff uh it'll it'll be interesting to see you know if uh, any players you know whether on the jaguars or on any other roster or retired speak out i know marcus spears uh was on espn uh talking about it yesterday and he really slammed them for it so well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But right now, Urban Meyer is basically telling the Jaguars to uh, trust him. And uh, that's – it seems like the Jaguars – I mean, uh, uh, Shad Khan has given people the keys to his franchise before. So, it uh, appears at least that that's the case again. Yeah, that's true. It was kind of put forth in words that it was kind of Urban's team. Now it seems like it's been put forth in actions as well. So, yeah, he did say that – his goal is for the Jaguars to have the best sports performance in the league in a year or two. And so he simply hired the, whoever he thought was the best man for the job. So yeah, that's the process. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that, that is, that is the process. And uh, like we said, that was really kind of the elephant in the room and the cloud hanging over a really large and comprehensive staff that, you know, I feel like that hire is not made a lot of people, at least locally would be, ecstatic about the staff that came out yesterday would you agree with that yeah 100 percent. like we said it's a or it's a pretty healthy mix uh cassidy wrote a nice article about kind of the background of all the coaches and uh 25 of them are from the college ranks and most of them have uh worked with urban meyer and then the other 75 percent have worked in the nfl and all three coordinators have coordinated at the nfl level and so it's certainly a, a strong combination of coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Gus and I decided we're going to get kind of go through the roster of the on-field coaches, you know, those who will be uh, either coordinators, position coaches, uh, top assistants or anything like that. So Gus, uh, first name, assistant head coach and inside linebackers coach, Charlie Strong. What, what's your feeling on the hire? And after uh, he, he was one of the assistants to speak yesterday and he was the only non-coordinator. So that kind of tells you, uh, his, his like, uh, really placed high up on, on, you know, the totem pole. Yeah, exactly. He, I mean, he was the second to talk after Urban, and Urban literally said that he'll be the number two guy. And Urban also said he was the first guy that he hired. And so it seems like they've been kind of in talks for a long time about the two of them kind of coming back to the league together. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, Urban said that they wouldn't have won the two championships at Florida. It wasn't for strong. And so, I mean, I think it's a great hire, and I think part of the reason that's great is not just because he'll be hopefully a strong number two, <laughs> pun unintended, um, yeah. but also he's going to be coaching the inside linebackers, which is quietly 
maybe the best position group that the Jaguars have is off-ball linebacker with Joe Schober and Miles Jack. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be – the two of them are going to be really good. Kind of, I mean, this will be the second defense that Miles Jack will have to learn in his uh, professional career. And then Joe Schobert has what had to learn like five new defenses in the last yeah. six years or something crazy like that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think once they get up – A, once they get up to speed with the whatever the new scheme ends up being, and B, once they have enough – talent influx to kind of make their jobs easier especially on the defensive line in front of them then I could see them being like a top five linebacking duo to be honest and yeah no, I, I I feel like that's if you're going to coach a position on the Jaguars like just in terms of the difficulty and you know kind of the job that you have at hand linebacker kind of seems like inside linebacker kind of seems like well you know one of the easier ones I mean you know Miles and uh, Schobert you know they've both been uh, captains on different teams in the past. They're both high IQ guys. Uh, Schobert has a pro bowl on his resume. Uh, Jack doesn't, but, you know, frankly, should have last year. Uh, you know, I, I asked Strong yesterday about them, and he mentioned how they're both in the prime of their careers and that they're going to be staples of the defense. And that's really what you saw in Baltimore. You know, the inside linebackers were always the staples of the defense. You know, C.J. Mosley, and then you look at their investment in Patrick Queen, who, you know, it isn't on that level, obviously. But just looking at their investment in him shows the value they kind of place on that inside backer spot. So uh, I'm with you. It definitely seems like uh, his role, uh, it's going to be just as important for him to kind of be a leader of the team in general as it is uh, in terms of him coaching up a position. And I, I wrote yesterday, I said, if Meyer is a general, then uh, Strong is his first lieutenant. You know, like he's, he's, he's going to be the guy, you know, right at his side. So I'm with you. All right, uh, next name. Uh, we've already broken this down some, but Daryl Bevel, offensive coordinator, uh, I've said it before. Uh, I, I thought this was a good hire by Meyer just because he's really – he has a ton of NFL experience. People kept saying they wanted somebody with a lot of NFL experience as Meyer's play caller, and that's what they got. And he also has an extensive quarterback background. So I think you can forgive Meyer for seeking out Brett Favre's advice uh, because, you know, people, we try not to recommend doing that. But <laughs> otherwise, you know, I think the Bevel hire was a strong one by Meyer. Yeah, 100%. He's had a lot of former players um, in the past kind of speak highly of him, and he helped Matthew Stafford have what probably would have been a career year in 2019 before the season was cut short for him after I think it was eight games with a back injury. And so coming from a coaching staff of under Matt Patricia to Urban Meyer will hopefully be a big difference, um, but I definitely agree. I, I think we're both in the same boat of it being a strong hire and kind of almost a buy low opportunity on a coach. Yeah. And I mean, Bevel was one of uh, three Jaguars coaches that went to Trevor Lawrence's uh, throwing session slash pro days slash one-on-one uh, -on -one meeting with Urban Meyer. Uh, at, at slash talent there. show. Yeah. So that, that just kind of goes to show you, uh, I mean, how important he is in the Jaguars future. Cause I mean, if you're talking about, like the five most important coaches on the Jaguar staff, uh, obviously Meyer and the coordinators, you know, Colin and uh, Bevel. And then I'd put, you know, Charlie Strong there just because of how much I think they're going to lean on him as a voice to the team. And then uh, I'd put Schottenheimer in there. So I, I think Bevel and Schottenheimer uh, both going just kind of shows their importance uh, really kind of on the totem pole for the Jaguars moving forward. Yeah, 100%. As, uh, or as Meyer said, he won't be calling the plays. And so even if it's his vision, per se, he'll definitely have plenty of influence from both uh, Shoddy and Bevel. And yeah, so and, and uh, you know, real quick, we can move, you know, right to Schottenheimer since we're talking about him. Uh, Schottenheimer was announced as the team's passing game coordinator, uh, the son of longtime NFL coach Marty Schottenheimer. He was, like we had just said, one of three Jaguars coaches who went to Lawrence's pro day. Uh, you know, a passing game coordinator going to a pro day you know, means he's going to be working right next to that quarterback. So uh, I, I think it's clear what his influence is going to be. And uh, I, I was a fan of Sean Hyman's offenses with Seattle. You know, I was – it's kind of wild how his kind of narrative has kind of, you know, changed because I feel like when the Seahawks hired him, a lot of people laughed at it, including myself, because, you know, he was just coming off that Georgia stint. Uh, nobody thought of the Jets with him as, you know, really an explosive offense. But his scheme the last few years has been one of my favorite in the NFL. 100%. And I think he did a really good job of kind of playing to Russell Wilson's strengths. It's going to be kind of interesting the past couple of months because the discourse on Russell Wilson has turned from perennial MVP candidate who needs help to – someone that has legitimate flaws 
And so I think Sean Heimer did a better job than maybe the public perceives of kind of tailoring the offense to Wilson's strengths. And so, and it's certainly interesting, the whole story about how Bevel and Sean Heimer were both like, it almost seems like fired because they ran the ball less than Pete Carroll wanted to. And so that's certainly another interesting storyline. So it'll be, I kind of expect for the Jaguars to be like neutral in terms of run heaviness, but it would be pretty (laughs) just hysterical, honestly, if they ranked really low and rush rate and were just an amazing offense as soon as they left Seattle. Yeah, no, definitely. I think if you wanted to surround Lawrence with guys who are willing to, you know, they're throwing the ball a lot and then they're like throwing the ball with purpose, you know, like taking deep shots and being aggressive with it. And I think if you wanted two guys who are going to be aggressive with the passing game, uh, it's Bevel and Schottenheimer. So I think we're in agreement there. Uh, next, uh, defense, defensive coordinator Joe Cullen. Uh, like you said, Cullen talked a lot about being multiple. Uh, both him and Strong were kind of pressed on 3-4, 4-3, and they were both non-committal. But Cullen did slip up a bit when talking about Zach Orr and Sterling Lucas, saying how they knew the system and had and how Orr had played in the system that they're bringing over. So it's likely going to look a lot like Baltimore's defense. Uh, Cullen really respected defensive line coach, and this is his first uh, NFL defense coordinator job. Uh, I, I thought it was a bit surprising at first when they first selected him just because I thought they'd go with an experienced coordinator. But this is a guy who's been in the NFL every year, but one season since 2006, and a guy who a lot of people thought would have been a coordinator by now. Yeah, it was definitely all about kind of like the past experience with the Ravens and stuff and under Wink. And he also learned, um, he mentioned under uh, Dean Pease when Pease was in Baltimore until 2017, I think. And so it's going to be, a fun defense to watch, I think, even in the first year, if there's still kind of a talent deficit, um, being able to kind of take advantage of mismatches and mostly just being aggressive, I think, is kind of the name of the game for what that defense will look like. And so that's another kind of plus for the linebacker core, just because, I mean, obviously, Caleb Von Chason and Josh Allen will hopefully benefit from what could be a 3-4 defense. But Miles Jack and Joe Schobert both showed throughout last season that they've had flashes of good pass rushing. Yeah. So I think I think it'll be a lot of fun with that group, honestly. I, I think if you're talking about the building blocks of the defense, like as things stand right now, those are the four guys who I think are the staples of the defense, like just moving forward, at, at least as of today. Maybe that changes, you know, if they throw a lot of money at a defender in free agency. But I think as of today, uh, you know, those four, you know, Chase on Allen, Chauvin, and Jack are kind of the main guys of this Jack staff. Yeah, I agree. And then – I'd say Henderson is up there too. That's one of the things I'm interested to see in free agency. And I mean, the off season in general is kind of, because obviously the Jaguars need more depth and even starters in the secondary, but especially the cornerback position after a kind of brutal year in the secondary last year, although injuries certainly did help. Um, And CJ Henderson was like one of the best press man covers in the, in his draft class. And so it'd be interesting to see whether the, Jaguars go after more players or cornerbacks that can press and play man coverage, especially since that's what um, Baltimore has been doing. The, the one thing I'll say about Henderson's fit with this staff, uh, Henderson, to me, one of my favorite things about him as a prospect was his ability to blitz off the edge, just because he's such a, like, his explosiveness from, you know, like a, like a stop position, just, you know, as the ball snapped and him flying into the backfield, he is so athletic, man. And I, I feel like I'd have to look at the numbers. I don't want to say he never blitzed last year without having any knowledge of it, but I feel like they wouldn't be that bold to predict that, you know, they didn't use him once to blitz last year, but that's something that you saw with Baltimore defenses. You know, they let their defensive backs be a big part of the pressure package. And then Jacksonville, uh, that was only really true for the nickel corner. So I I think Henderson could be a big winner of the goal and hire kind of strictly because of that. Yeah, I definitely agree. He was definitely a big benefit of the, third and Grantham defenses at Florida where he some got sent on the corner blitzes. But yeah, you nailed it where the uh under wash last year, the corner blitzes were mainly from the nickel spot. So that's definitely a good point to look out for. Yeah, definitely. Uh special teams coordinator, Brian Schneider. I, I will be very upfront with our listeners. I have no special teams takes. Uh, Joe, Joe DiCamillis was a, a good special teams coordinator because his teams always finished pretty high ranking and Rick Gosselin special teams rankings. And that's how I personally determine who has good special teams or not. So 
Uh, he was with Pete Carroll for a lot of years. Uh, Seattle normally had pretty, you know, decent special teams. They had a few stars during that time. So that that's about all I have on that one. Yeah, the Seattle special teams was really good, kind of when their defense was really good, honestly, in like the early 2010s. And then it dropped off to kind of more of a mediocre unit in the past few years. But, yeah, I don't really have any – the one takeaway I kind of had from the press conference was that it, he said it was a too good of an opportunity to pass up, which – I don't know if anyone said about the Jaguars organization since Foles signed for $88 million, but. Yeah, no, that was a good opportunity too. Uh, uh, next one, uh, defensive backs coach slash safeties coach, Chris Ash. Uh, Ash was defense coordinator, you know, with Texas Longhorns, former defense coordinator with Meyer at Ohio State. Uh, also former head coach at Rutgers, but look at his head coaching record there and you'll understand why that was mentioned third. Uh, I, I I think Ash is a, a solid hire. I know Ash was a really respected defensive mind at the college level. You know, he's known as one, he was known as one of the better kind of defensive backs coaches uh, in the college ranks. So I think bringing a guy like him up to coach the safeties and the secondary as whole uh, was a smart move. Plus he has that familiarity with uh, Meyer. Yeah, 100%. He's, and he's in his 24th year of coaching. And he, I don't know if you said this, but he coached with Meyer Ohio State and won the 2014 championship with him there. But, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. I think it was a strong hire, obviously a lot of good experience. I, I think anybody involved with Ohio State defense, defensive back starting Myers' time there probably is a pretty good football coach. 100%. That, yeah. yeah, they're definitely cornerback you at this point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next one, tight ends coach Tyler Bowen. Uh, Bowen, uh, you know, he had a couple of different uh, titles for Penn State last year. You know, his tight ends coach slash co-offense coordinator slash something recruiting coach. I, I don't it, recruiting. It's the Jaguars, so don't care about that. But uh, Bowen, you know, he called plays for Penn State in uh, the Cotton Bowl against Memphis a year ago, and I believe they put up 53 points, which was a bowl record for points in a game by Penn State. Uh, he was a rising name, and uh, we already saw, and I will now refer to this player as this for the rest of the draft season until – the slight chance the Jags draft him and announce his name, so I know how it's pronounced. Penn State <laughs> tight end, Pat F. Pat that, F. Is, that is what I'm calling him. I'm not even okay. going to attempt. Yeah, well, uh, we, we already saw him kind of tweet about the hire. So, uh, obviously, Bowen, you know, is a guy well-liked by his players or respected in the college ranks. I think that's a good hire because he's a guy I could see as kind of a, you know, in-house promotion uh, moving forward. Yeah, it was nice to see that as a hire just because I agree that it's another – good hire with as um you've said before potential coordinator a p potential future as a offensive He's coordinator yeah. yeah and so I definitely agree there and, and hopefully he'll bring some good times to the tight end room just because there hasn't really been obviously much success there Mercedes Lewis is like the most decorated tight end in easily every category it just said hopefully it brings some good times. Like, it doesn't need to be a good <laughs> Is coach. Is that what I just, said? I didn't even just, realize. Yeah, good vibes only. Yeah, good doesn't vibes. Need to be a good coach. <laughs> no coaching, just vibes. Yeah, vibe check. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Move, moving on. Uh, you know, normally we wouldn't really touch on this one, but since he was retained, assistant linebackers coach Tony Gilbert, uh, he was one of the five coaches slash four on-field coaches who were retained from the last staff. I thought it was interesting they kept him, but, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense just because – uh, you probably want some familiarity with the linebackers, and he worked directly with them last year. Yeah, I was almost surprised to see that there was five uh, coaches from the Jaguars from last season uh, retained, but you're right. It certainly makes a lot of sense. I'll, and I, I'll be honest. I'm calling it four. Okay. There's one there's of them like coaches retained. One of them is a strength coach. Okay. Well, there you go. So five coaches, four on field, but it, it, four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know what I'm saying, but no, I'm with you. I think if anybody had said four coaches would be retained uh, when Marone was fired, they'd be, uh, I think probably a lot of people would meet that with kind of shock and confusion maybe, but you know, there's at least some logic behind each of them. Right. I think as long as Todd Walsh didn't return, then that was kind of the biggest priority for Jaguars fans. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, <laughs> wide receivers coach Sanjay Law, uh, probably the most uh, – uh, before Doyle, this was obviously the most controversial hire amongst, among Jaguar fans just because it meant the end of Ke Keaton McCardell in Jacksonville. McCardell is now on the Minnesota where 
Like, I mean, if you're somebody who, you know, is happy, you roots for Kenny McCardell, this kind of worked out for him because he's about a good coach, you know, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen in Minnesota. So it worked out for him. But Law was a receivers coach with the Cowboys. Uh, Jerry Jones made a big deal about getting Law to be, you know, their receivers coach. And then it ended up, uh, I think I read that Law was one of like two or three coaches that the Jones family recommended to Mike McCarthy that he keep. And uh, McCarthy, in his infinite wisdom, ended up not keeping him. <laughs> he, he spent a year uh, last year with Seattle as a senior offensive assistant, but he's a really experienced receivers coach. Uh, he's coached a couple of Pro Bowl receivers. So it's, it's a respected guy, though. A lot of fans are understandably upset that it means no more of McCarthy. Yeah, he's one of the seven coaches from either the Baltimore or Seattle organizations. And so it's interesting that I think there's four offensive coaches that we used to uh, work in Seattle and the other three were defensive in Baltimore. Um, but I mean, <laughs> he's got the Jerry Jones vote of approval, stamp of approval. So it has to be a great hire, right? <laughs> yeah. Moving on to that. Uh, assistant defensive line coach, Sterling Lucas uh, won't go too much into this one, but he was an assistant defensive line coach with the Ravens last year. Colin is bringing him right over. He's going to be coaching right with uh, Tosh Lupoy as the team who will be the team's new defensive line coach. Uh, Gus, how do, how do you feel about the both of them? Because that gives them a decent amount of NFL experience and college experience to coach that position because uh, we know Tosh obviously was in Alabama not long ago as one of Nick Saban's top assistants. Yeah, that'll definitely be an important position to coach. I mean, not that anyone isn't, but um, it'll be interesting to see, again, with the Jaguars in the offseason to add to that uh, needed defensive line talent. So that'll be, I think, one of the biggest like single positions that'll make the biggest difference for the Jaguars would be a defensive tackle, as we've discussed several times. And so the coaching for that position obviously matters. Yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, no, I do like those. Yeah. And then uh, next one, outside linebackers coach Zach Orr. I don't have much to say about Orr's uh, credentials. You know, he's a former all-pro linebacker before a uh, spinal condition forced him to an early retirement, was a defensive assistant with the Ravens since then. But, uh, I mean, just getting the, you know, kind of the classification of outside linebackers coach and inside linebackers coach kind of tells you where this game is kind of heading. 100%. I think that's noted on a lot of the last podcast, but Matthew Judon has had some really good seasons recently for Baltimore. And not that he isn't a talented player, but I think scheme has certainly helped him out with some sack totals. Um, so hopefully, or we'll kind of bring some of that for Josh Allen and or Caleb on chase on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then uh, running backs coach, Bernie Parmalee. I, I, I'll be honest, uh, Parmalee, you know, his background, he's been running backs coach for several years with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Oakland Raiders. He was even special teams coordinator at Thompson Falcons last year, but that's that's about all I have uh, on that one. You know, I mean, he's walking into a position group with an alpha dog in it already and James Robinson. So he's kind of being gifted, you know, one of the better positions on the team. Want to make your own podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then lets you distribute it everywhere and anywhere and even earn money right from it. And it's all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. And here is how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, no matter where you're at, you can start creating today. Let's see. Next, uh, senior defensive assistant, Bob Sutton. Kansas City fans, uh, I, I know they've had a couple days, but if you needed anything to get their spirits up. It was to mention Bob Sutton's name, evidently, even though his title is just senior defensive assistant. So uh, assuming he won't have that much of an impact on the staff, Kansas city fans have gone buck wild just because his tenure there kind of, you know, ended unsuccessfully, but uh, he's another three, four defensive minded guy. You know, he ran out with the chiefs, he ran out with the jets and he has a ton of NFL experience for Meyer. And uh, you know, he can be a guy who, you know, you talk about Colin hasn't been a coordinator before. Well, here's a guy who's done it for a long time, so he can help him with that transition. Yeah, 100%. He kind of took the Wade Phillips role for the uh, Jaguars, but I'm not – now you're, you said exactly what I was going to say, where he's definitely going to help with Colin, who's going to be a first-time coordinator. And so why not have a 
someone with that much experience in the room. Yeah. All right, next, uh, two defensive backs coaches that were retained. Joe Dana, last year's safety coach, will now coach Nichols, and cornerbacks coach Tim Walton will remain in his position. Uh, both these guys served under Doug Marone for a couple of years. Uh, Joe Dana, I, I, I can report, is an extremely well-liked player in Jacksonville's locker room. A lot of respect for him uh, from the Jaguars' defensive players. And then Tim Walton, I, I remember Jalen Ramsey giving an interview when he was trying to get traded, how he mentioned Walton was one of his favorite position coaches he's ever had. So uh, you're bringing in two guys who are well-liked by the players, but it is kind of interesting that the Jaguars are retaining two defensive backs coaches after their secondary kind of got torched last season. Yeah, and as, as we said, obviously the injuries had a lot to do with that. And so I think it's a little interesting retaining pe people from that position, but it, we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And then uh, really the, the last one is offensive line coach George Warhop. He is uh, the fourth slash fifth uh, coach that was retained by Meyer from the Marone years. Uh, he spent two years under Marone. That, that, that hire is uh, interesting. Uh, you saw Ur Urban Meyer. I don't know if you saw it, but Jane Slater got a ton of good quotes from Urban. I, I guess she did a one-on-one -on -one with him at Lawrence's Pro Day, and he talked about the offensive line, and he, he said, we have a good offensive line. We don't have to blow the offensive line up. So I think that kind of tells you why he retained Warhop is he probably thinks Warhop did a good job last year, which, I mean, if you look at it, Brandon Linder, he didn't have the best season of his Jaguars career because he missed too much of it with injury. But when he was playing, I'd say that was probably the highest level we've seen him play at other than maybe 2017. Uh, Andrew yeah. Norwell, that was the best he's played with the Jaguars. And A.J. Can, that was the best year of his career. Uh, you want to see more from the tackles, but you at least saw some improvement from the line last year. No, you nailed it. I think Linder's like one of the best centers in the league and has been for a couple of years in the – interior offensive line was certainly much better than probably a lot of people anticipate, including myself. And was certainly a, a big reason for James Robinson's a thousand yard season. Um, and so the tackles certainly need help. And that would be like Cam Robinson is probably the biggest decision that the Jaguars had to make um, or the quickest decision in terms of like the future of the left tackle position. And so, yeah, Warhop's done a nice job with the interior defensive interior offensive line, but the tackles I think each ranked top 10 in pressures allowed last season. So there's clearly work to do on the outside. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, when Meyer says there isn't much work to be done or something like that, you can, I mean, I, I'm going into the off season, assuming from left guard over that they're already set with their starters and left tackle is the only position that they really need to figure out. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. John Taylor is, I mean, yeah, he, he didn't like have really he didn't have a good him. season, but I think they're gonna I think they're I think he's gonna get a year with Meyer. Yeah, and he had a, he his rookie year wasn't incredible, but it was certainly encouraging, and there was kind of flashes of a great right tackle in the making. So, I certainly think that left guard and over is fair. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And then, uh, well, that is your Jaguars 2020 coaching staff. He he made a couple other announcements. You know, there's a couple other on field assistants. You know, quality control coaches. He has a chief of staff uh, and a whole, you know, strength staff that he brought in. So th there's other names. You can find it all at Jaguar Report. Uh, but Meyer introduced a, you know, really large and cohesive coaching staff yesterday. Uh, I, unfortunately for me, random numbers. It is, I believe, 23 coaches on the staff. And there were like 23 on-field coaches. And there were 19 uh, on the Jaguar staff last year. So this this is a bit bigger the Jaguar staff than last year. So it, it's clear he made it a priority and he spent a month at it. And there you go. Your Jaguars coach staff is uh, kind of in the books. Yes, sir. Looking forward to free agency now. It's going to be a long, a long draft season, though, for sure. Yeah, which no, it always is. I'm just glad we can kind of move past this phase of the offseason finally. 100%. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, uh, well, obviously, uh, other than that, the big thing going on, Gus, right now is it was Trevor Lawrence Day on Friday. Uh, Tre Trevor Lawrence uh, had a throwing session at Clemson on Friday. Uh, you know, he's scheduled to get a shoulder surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, Mia O'Brien did a terrific story on that when she talked to a doctor who basically said, like, you know, it's not not a huge factor. I think Lawrence told ESPN today, uh, four to five month recovery, so he should be okay before training camp. But he went out there, he threw over 50 passes. Uh, you know, he had Jordan Palmer kind of orchestrate the pro day. And then you, pretty much every camera caught it. You look just a few 
yards away from Lawrence. And there was Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer with the Jaguars mask and all uh, hip to hip with Dabo Sweeney. Uh, you know, that I think Albert Breer said there were 17 teams uh, that were at, you know, the throwing session and 31 personnel. Only one person got that close to Lawrence, and that was the Jaguars head coach. So it, it was pretty obvious uh, that this was kind of a throwing session kind of for the Jaguars. And then um, Meyer even told NFL Network's James Slater after that uh, he talked to Lawrence and told him, like, hey, you have three options. You can do throwing session now, uh, do it later and push off your surgery, or don't do one at all. And uh, they basically – you know, uh, Lawrence decided to do it now, but Meyer was a factor in him deciding to do that. So I hope every single person that had even the tiniest of thought of mocking Justin Fields at one over Trevor Lawrence is now tearing that mock up from the top to bottom. Yeah, I was thinking earlier about how, I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked like Trevor Lawrence, and then he had that, like, he had, I think, a 70 yard throw at the end of the session, which social media was in love with, rightfully so. But Thank goodness he didn't just like somehow bomb the throwing day or else it would just be a long two months on the bird app for sure. But I think, I, I, like as you said, it's definitely telling how yeah. involved Urban was. Yeah, it, it was really kind of him. Like, I felt like it was him kind of flexing his connections because, I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he was talking to Dabo right there the entire time. And that's clearly happened because, you know, him and Dabo are close from their time in college. So, uh, you know, like I said, there were 17 teams there. Only one team was a few yards away from Lawrence and watching every single thing that closely. So uh, I, I think the Jaguars probably ready to make that pick already. Uh, but it, it, it was interesting. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that how insufferable a bad performance would have been because I remember in 2014, uh, that was my second year kind of, you know, uh, following the draft closely on Twitter, writing scouting reports, that, that whole kind of dumb thing. <laughs> and no, I, I, I had a WordPress and everything. That whole waste of time. <laughs> no, I did. I had a WordPress and everything. I'm never going to give it to anybody, but I, I, I look back at it now and then. And I look at some of like the evaluations and I'm like, well, there's like one or two here that were okay. And then there's one where I call a Georgia Tech player that wasn't Darren Waller a like first round talent. <laughs> or, <laughs> I, it, 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 it was a lot. But I remember in 2014, it was my second year kind of following the draft and Teddy Bridgewater. Went into the season as like the top quarterback, came out of the season as like the, like everybody's favorite or second favorite quarterback, and then goes to his pro day. And I don't have any take on his pro day because I remember never really seeing it. Uh, and I never put that much stock in the pro days to begin with. But I remember people just freaking out about his pro day and talking about how much it killed his stock. And then he ended up being the, the last pick of the first round. So you have to think his pro day played a factor in that. Yeah, I understand. I tweeted the other day that, my hottest take is that the lack of a combine is going to make overall draft success better for teams, which is probably not true just because the, um, the combine is very important, but like it's, there's unquestionably a ton of recency bias in it when you actually get to go to the combine and see the athletes in yeah. person. And so I think the reduction of recency biases will be a nice thing at least. No, definitely. definitely. Is, is that your hot take for today, show? Yeah, that can be my hot take. Okay. Okay. That was that was a moderately warm take. Uh, my 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 hot <laughs> the, take. The is, I just said the combine doesn't matter. That's pretty hot. <laughs> I've been saying that for years. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My hot take is half of the NFL probably already hates Urban Meyer. <laughs> I just I just <laughs> got the feeling watching him next to Dabo, like there there were definitely there had to be some other NFL guys in the <laughs> building, like. What's he doing over there? Yeah, come on. Why, is he, why is he get to be there? <laughs> He's a rookie. He's got to call shoulder pads. But, yeah, then my <laughs> other topic was uh, the top top five linebacker duo in Showburn Jack. In that, yeah, five, okay. By 2022. Top, okay. I think top ten is pretty fair, honestly, but top five would be something else. I'll say it. I'll, I'll say it here in the space so everybody can mock me for it whenever. I think Joe Sherbert's underrated. Yeah, which I, 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 no question that he had his struggles at the beginning of the season, like that LA Chargers game where he gave up multiple touchdowns and coverage. You know, obviously a bad game, but I think if you factor in like the situation with not being able really to rep the defense at all until training camp and having just a few weeks to do so, and then just the complete lack of talent around them, he played really well, in my opinion, in the second half of the year. And I think that's more more so what you can expect from him compared to what we saw from him in the first half. 
Yeah, I I even think Jack might be, improve honestly because the first month of the season for him was just ludicrous. That and ankle he, injury. Yeah, and then the ankle injury happened, and he was kind of just like off and on the injury report for another month or two, and it never really seemed like it was a huge deal. But I think that with a full healthy season, he could be an All Pro. Yeah, which he was on pace for. Definitely. I mean, you mentioned that. Uh, I mean, they're going to have a chance to get better stats in this game than the last game because the last game, uh, you know, linebackers, they, they, they just didn't put up big stats. You know, uh, Telvin Smith was the only Jaguars linebacker to make a Pro Bowl during that entire regime. And that was because he was really good at getting turnovers and even creating tackles for loss. So I, I feel like this game is going to give them chances to make more plays. And, I mean, Showbert's one of the best linebackers in the NFL at creating turnovers over the last couple of years. I mean, if you just go and buy the numbers and then Jack has a skill set to do so. So I'm, I'm with you. 100%. It'll be, there's definitely some pieces there that are – really exciting and that fortunately kind of fit with that what would be that Baltimore 34 defense so that's why the offseason is so fun it's fun to kind of dream up scenarios of nice fits so absolutely and Gus before we go I want to spring a whole new segment on you that I did not even warn you about coming into here I'm going to give you the names of three free agents we'll later make this prospects later in the year but right now three current free agents I want you to tell me buy or sell Right. I'm coming up with three agents, or you? Know. No, I'm coming up with them. I oh, want you okay. to come in and the Jacks to pursue them, or no? Okay. Okay. Alejandro Villavaneva, the Pittsburgh Steelers left tackle. Sell only because I'd rather just franchise Cam Robinson. Yeah, I'm sell too, but that's mostly because I saw Carl Lawson just put him on a milk carton on national Carl TV Lawson's earlier really this year. Good. He is really good, but I, I want your left tackle to be able to block really good players. Yeah, no, I think he's he's roughly the same age as Trent Williams, but Trent yeah. Williams is still really good. And um, Alvin Weva has kind of showed his decline starting last year. Yeah. All right, next one. Uh, the newest free agent in the NFL, J.J. Watt. Bye, definitely. I think he'll probably end up going to like a contender for less than he needs, like somewhere like the the Rams or the Bills or – some good playoff team and then just be a stud for him or for them, just because I don't think he's, he's not obviously on the same elite level that he was five or six years ago, but he's a hundred percent still a good difference player. maker. Yeah. yeah. So it would be kind of interesting or funny to see if he en- ends up going to an AFC South team to kind of pick back on the Texans. But I don't know. I'd be, I'd be surprised if he signed in division, but I, as for the Jaguars, I would buy or pursue I'm- him. I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he signs in the division. Like, I could see him easily signing with the Titans or the Colts. I just – I think he's going to want to go to a team that was either in the playoffs last year or is right on the cusp of that. So, I think he makes perfect sense for the Jaguars. He's he's automatically the second-best interior defensive lineman free agent on the market, but uh, they probably don't make much sense uh, for him. And then, all right, last one, Gus, Patrick Peterson. I, I like it. I would buy it. I'm not really sure how much he's going to demand, but – I think he's just like would be kind of not just like a great fit next to CJ Henderson, but also a great mentor. Because uh, as I was saying earlier, it'd be interesting to see if they go after kind of like someone that can play man and press. And Patrick Peterson can do that. In the past season or two, he's had so, like various injuries and certainly isn't the player that he used to be. But I, I think I would still buy. Yeah, no. And for the reasons you outlined, uh, the, the Jaguars, they, they need veterans in terms – like, they need talent boost, obviously, but they need veteran voices too, and they don't need veterans on the roster anywhere more than they do at cornerback. I mean, basically all the veteran voices in the cornerback room last year are set to be free agents. You know, Sidney Jones and DJ Hayden are unrestricted free agents. Trey Herndon's a uh, restricted free agent. So, you know, they have all these guys departing. So I definitely think they need to bring in a respected voice like that. So I'd agree with you. My stance is – I think signing him would be an okay move as long as that's not the biggest move you make at cornerback. I think if he's your biggest addition at cornerback, then the offseason is probably a failure from that perspective. Yeah, go get William Jackson the third. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, William Jackson, I think, is the top corner on the market, and I, I think the Jags should uh, – I mean – Risk tampering with him. I mean, what, what are they going to take <laughs> take a fifth from you? I mean, I, 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 I think I think that's the level that they need to pursue him at. Yeah. Speaking of draft picks, though, and players, I think we're both in the same boat of go get Orlando Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I we are. I know. I I I 
caught some flack for, you know, it was a semi-hot take where I said I'd offer 25 and, like, one of their fours or, you know, probably one of their fifths were Orlando Brown. And I know a lot of people have side-eyed that because you have to give up picks and pay him. But if there's any team that's positioned to overpay for such an important position and on a young and ascending player, it's probably the Jaguars. I mean, they have the cap to do it. They have the draft picks to do it. Like, this team does not need 11 rookies, you know. And then they have (laughs) – no, no I mean, they don't. I mean, they need a lot of talent, but they need veterans more than they need rookies, in my opinion. No, you're definitely right. I would honestly probably offer a third instead of a fourth, which might, I might be in the minority there, but yeah. I don't know. And so, I, know, I, I saw a lot of people say, like, they thought he didn't play that well last year. And I know, uh, I believe it, it was, I, I feel awful. I can't remember his name, but ESPN, one of the main analytics people, said his he was like 28th in pass block win, win rate but at least from what i've seen and from the offensive line evaluators i've read i thought he had a really good season at left tackle so um in terms of his talent i don't have any questions about it it's just what price do you have to pay yeah he had a good season and he got better as kind of the year went on like he had really good playoff uh performances as well and i mean that was his first time playing left tackle for the raiders yeah. i think his worst game really was out his worst games last year came in right tackle. Yeah, so get get the proven guy for more money versus the unproven guy he, on the rookie he, contract. He's better than any. Look, here's the thing: he's in terms of talent. I think he's the second best possible option on the table. Like, if you're going to get left tackles, I think it's you know Trent Williams in terms of talent. He's obviously number one. Did not say Orlando Brown, and did not say rookie slash Cam Robinson. The flip side is he will cost the most because he's going to cost a big contract just like Trent Williams would but you also have to throw in a premium draft pick so the cost is higher but I think just in terms of talent he's right up there with the best possible options 100% and he's what 25 so it's not like he's He's gonna be yeah he's 24 right now he's gonna be 25 like when the season starts yeah so while I'll definitely support a Trent Williams signing as well I think giving up the traffic traffic capital to get someone seven years younger makes a lot of sense and I, I don't think Trent Williams is going to want to play in Jacksonville. I know people kept people kept saying to me, just sign Trent Williams. I think, you know, like J.J. Watt, I think he wants to go somewhere where he can finally win. 100%. And I won't be surprised if he just ends up re-signing with the Niners either. I don't know what their cap situation is, but, I mean, he was really good for them last year. And they yeah. will obviously have a whole lot left tackle if he leaves. So Yeah, no, absolutely. So, now we're in agreement there, so. Well, we will be back, uh, you know, in the coming days, weeks, whatever. So thank you all for listening. As always, uh, Gus, uh, you have anything to say as we depart? No, I think I let all my all my takes for this month. Um, but, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Gus underscore Logue. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at, at underscore John underscore Shipley and uh, the site's at Jaguar Report, also si.com slash NFL slash Jaguars. Uh, I have many, many, many more takes. Uh, don't, 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 <laughs> don't you worry. I do not restrict them to here. So uh, go ahead and follow. Make sure to read the site, and we will keep the takes coming.